Jeff, quick interruption of this podcast. For some reason, Laura and I have stopped doing introductions. I don't know why. I guess because it's a conversation. So we see each other, we start talking, and are more interested in our conversation with each other than anything like produced as a podcast. But quickly for this one, welcome. Thanks for tuning in and listening. My audio has some weird things to it. I hope you can hear me fine throughout. We'll work on that to make sure it's fixed for uh, future episodes. Thanks for listening and See you next time. I was uh, just messaging Martin Weller to let me know if he recommends any other open online book publishers. Say one was going to publish or propose a book. Hmm. Huh. Who might that be? Um, maybe me. I had a colleague reach out to me about proposing a book. And I wasn't going to propose a book because, I don't know, there's something about... Editing a book that consumes most of your time instead of working on journals that are quicker to do. And when I say quick, not a year or two. Does, I know you're not tenure track, but does your school look as high? How high does the school look at books versus peer review articles? So in the social science is my area that I fall into in information um, studies and learning technologies um, and HR the social sciences or management or whatever fields really don't care about books or books chapters. I think the goal of this was to um, compile some colleagues who are doing student success or student support areas and leveraging technologies because there's not really many books written for that. It's always written for how to teach with technologies, how to support faculty development with technologies. But I was thinking about the student services and student support side of the house a bit more. And a colleague of mine is editing one for a different um, group from the UK, Emerald Publishing. And so she, her and I are going to chat about it a little bit more, but um, I kind of asked if she'd be opposed to an open book because one, it'll get read. Two, uh, I don't always assume that people are searching and finding um books within their library systems and this could be shared a bit broader and wider internationally as well and gain an international perspective so is, your, no, is your book going to turn into is your book going to turn into how to use twitter no okay it is not because that's not it. yeah I, I when i learned it's uh that universities typically don't rate books as high as peer review articles. I found that kind of odd because I would think your research would be more widely displayed in the book. Like people who don't want to find your article aren't going to find your article. Yeah. Where books may be more widely um, circulated. But what do I know? Well, this is different. So propose, you know, academic edited book versus writing your own book versus 
um, being a chapter in a book are all different kind of unique topics and something that I was never really introduced or talked about in grad school because I didn't know you wouldn't get as much like credit for it if that matters. I was trying to think more around the peer-reviewed process so some books aren't as peer-reviewed and I've contributed to a couple that um, either ask authors to edit which is good because they should be peers writing within an edited collection then I've been part of another edited collection that was barely edited by the edited by the editors themselves I went to a copy edit but it really didn't feel uh, peer review-ish so I think the rigor is less sometimes with books or there aren't the same standards versus a department that's looking at your publications whether they're conference proceedings or a journal article could go and find those two things scored in the that scopus right we talked about the measurement and so it's not so much about where you're putting it out because you could share your publications in different ways right it's more about thinking about i would say the level of rigor that's going to be looked by other colleagues and how it's measured. So blind peer review, double blind peer review, going through multiple iterations. I think you'll have more of that at a journal, although that's not always the case. And there are some books processes that take a lot longer. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was never taught that in grad school. And I ended up uh, co-authoring a few book chapters for the edited collections with... Um, IGI Global, and that's okay, but a lot of those books are expensive, and unless they're in a library, yeah. no one's going to read it, and no one's going to buy it, a chapter for like 30 to $40, because I think that's ridiculous. So, yeah, I think I would have thought about where I was putting my research before I went to a book chapter or even proposing a book. <clears throat> Everyone who I know has written a book, it, it sounds like a miserable process. Like... Like they're typically happy to be a part of a book and then like the editorial process is kind of miserable and pretty lengthy. I guess if you have a good editor, it's lengthy, right? You get a lot of feedback and changes and you get several cycles mm -hmm. and then you have to work, work on selling the book, but you should do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny you say this. It's kind um, of like running a marathon, right? Like, yeah. 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 You should totally run a marathon. Like there's no way I'm going to run a marathon. I think I might do this. This is an edited collection. I think I'm I'm into doing this because I think I have some experience with editing. I sit on a few editorial boards and for journals. I once upon a time started a journal as a student, um, and so I've learned a lot about that process. And I could I could probably streamline um, management of edited an edited collection. Now I'm writing a book. Um, Katie Linder actually started a podcast that's called The Anatomy of a Book, and she breaks down whether it's writing, whether it's developing um, an, a structure for writing, an outline for it, or pitching it to a publisher. She kind of breaks it down into a series of short podcasts that Is, is Katie to. Linder becoming her own podcast network? She is. She is becoming that. We should definitely talk to her sometime mm -hmm. on her own podcast network startup. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of uh, podcasts. I've been talking, same colleague, we're thinking about this edit collection. We've been collecting higher ed-ish or higher ed podcasts. And there's different kind of like domains and areas people are covering, which is interesting. So I have a Google spreadsheet. We should probably get you involved in that. How many are there? 
right now I let me see. One, two, three, one. I have at least 40, but I have some others to add to this document. So and they're different types of higher ed podcasts. So some might be around marketing and higher ed, some might be around um, instructional design, and then there's some around um, student caring, leadership, yeah, just student advice and tutoring. So there's different kind of types of podcasts and then different types of audiences they're being directed to. But it seems you were a trend before your time, Jeff Jackson. I started in the Break Drink Network. We're too early. Too early. Yeah. What are you going to do? So I, I saw that you released the first edition. I'm going to write a little bloggy blog about the intro of, to that book, The Guiding. So um, so I can write a chapter of your book called Stop Relying on Twitter. Stop what? Relying on Twitter. <laughs> Which goes back to my thing of a Twitter. People in education think Twitter is the same as technology. Or, basically, basically, I'll just write a chapter ranting against Twitter. Well, you should rant around a few others. Like we've repurposed a lot of um, social and digital tools for education. That one, we don't really look into a whole lot of. Two, they change a lot. And three, we don't know what the where they're sharing our data. We're making assumptions that everyone could be on a network that's open and public, um, and we don't even think about privacy as an issue. Yeah, we didn't have Chris back on to talk about this because I, I think ever since he's been on, more things have come up around privacy or maybe I've just been more, uh, my eyes have been open to them more. Like yesterday's Twitter update. Did you get that? They're, they're changing their privacy settings? I did. And did and you it, see what it, it said? Yeah. And at first of all, it goes like, like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. But no, no, I didn't click on that. I clicked on to see all the things I was trying to opt me into. Yeah. Which I guess is better than Facebook because Facebook just made changes, right? They used to always make these privacy and security changes where they just kept making all of your stuff public and ever now then you had to go back in and like change your privacy settings. And I guess Facebook just finally stopped doing that. But yeah, those Twitter updates were pretty annoying. Well, and the other thing that I don't think we've actually talked about are um, just identities in these spaces that are public. And it's, I guess I brought it up because I've been doing some interviews from a research, so I'll do a slight plug, um, interviewing people around their network self and how they're networked in communities online. And that's looking at the staff side of the house and higher education. So I'm 34 interviews deep into this. I don't know. I want to collect like, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred interviews. P.S. You should sign up. I need to interview Yeah, I, I plan to do that. Yeah. But... It's been interesting to hear people's perspectives on where they sit professionally online and how they interpret some of these spaces being public versus private when most of these platforms we don't own, control, or know where data is being delivered to, but we assume a certain level of, I guess, confidentiality or privacy because we have a settings feature. Have you gone back to listen to that reply all, the reply all episode where he hacked into one of them hacked into the other one's phone. Have you done that yet? Yes, I, I have. I haven't done that yet. It's good. Um, I played it for Fearca, um, as he is a cybersecurity guy, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, can we do this?" He's like, "I'm not going to let you hack into my phone." <laughs> so, well, yeah. mainly because his phone is his work phone, and they would not. PwC has like super encryption, so I, I couldn't. Although it was worth almost trying. 
yeah. so, so you asked your husband, who is a cybersecurity expert, can I hack into your phone? <laughs> well, he knew the answer. I knew the answer would be no, but it'd be interesting to play around with some of these tools. Um, he works with some brilliant people. I, I swear I met the next Snowden at one of his uh, trainings or boot camps and at some socials. I'm just impressed by what they're thinking about and what most of us don't think about in terms of just how our, how we're open on the network. And I thank Chris and other things I've been listening to lately, like Note to Self or other podcasts that I'm, I existed in airplane mode most of my vacation um, in Canada. I took off lots of my apps because I was crossing a border and I didn't want the government to say, open up your um, Outlook or whatever Dropbox app because I have sensitive data. I collect research information and I don't want people's personal information being shared if I cross the border. So which government? The Canadian government or when you come back to the U.S.? Uh, Canada doesn't care. It's the U.S. government. Yeah. Um. Well, they do care. I would say in Canada if you had a history, but as I am a Canadian, I can freely travel to that country. Um, I will say there are more visa requirements for non-North American folks traveling into different countries. So if you're thinking of traveling to Canada or the U.S., there are some restrictions um, but my partner and I are both North Americans, and so it's okay. But I, I, I'd say at any time, because I'm not a citizen, if they asked for your phone or device, like I didn't fly, I didn't bring a laptop, which was kind of frustrating because I did start teaching a course on Monday, and I don't know why my students go online on their phone to do all their coursework, but some of them do. It's so hard. Um, but I, I crossed without um, any device other than my phone, and I actually have a, an extra phone I can just leave in Canada if I want. But I took off a lot of things where my data is attached. So that would be email, Google Docs, Dropbox, Outlook, and everything else. So I, I thought about that because I have a lot of confidential information of data and interviews I've been collecting and just stuff I don't want to share that I don't think I should have any business to look at. But they could ask me and say, unlock your phone and look at anything. Or if you don't, you can be detained. And they'll just go run some... Um, some network stuff behind your phone and figure out what's on in your data. Americans can refuse. It will just take you longer. You'll sit in secondary immigration and you'll probably just be frustrated, but who knows what they've done to your phone while they've taken it. Do you have banking apps on your phone? Do I have what apps? Banking? I do. See, I just don't want to put that on my phone. Yeah, like, I take I, it off. I don't always keep it on my phone, but I've, I guess I've they, added. I guess can, yeah, I get a convenience of it. But like, I just try to, because like, a phone in and of itself has so much personal data on there. Uh, I, I'm probably uh, the pendulum swinging the other way from me. I, I, I'm not going from like a um, like an oblivious to a rational point of view of uh, cybersecurity. I'm going more from oblivious to like the um, they're watching me now. Um, probably point of view to where I'm just I'm probably being overly cautious on. I don't have a lot of things on my phone that would be super sensitive. But even if they like your your like a minimum as someone stole your identity, like that's a pain in the butt to, to deal mm-hmm. with, right? And so then if it's like it's like you really got a hold of like your banking information, your passwords, um, all those all those things, like it's just a super annoyance and could be costly and could be embarrassing or what whatever it is. So I, I'm ch- trying to get the other way of uh, paranoia. Yeah. I moved. Like, I, don't want, I don't want Google Home in my house. Like I don't want someone listening to me all day long. 
Yeah, I don't have an Alexa. I don't have a Google. Um, I've taken the banking app off because I have a little fur friend who likes car rides and he really enjoys the bank machine. That's the only reason why I had it was so I could uh, deposit checks. But now we're like, all right, let's drive to the bank machine car ride. So yeah, I don't, I thought more about that. Um, there's a podcast with Audrey Waters. It's called the Contra Fabulous Podcast. And she talked about traveling overseas and landing in Heathrow is another experience. If you've not done that, I try to avoid that airport with, by all means when I'm traveling. But I would say it's just because some of the lines and the multiple checkpoints can be a bit bananas. So And they confiscated my Dr. Pepper. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So um, I will say her podcast, um, I don't know what episode it was, but I'll put in the notes. The one they talked about, um, Contra Fabulous podcast, they talked about essentially um, thinking about traveling um, light to some places because they do work or consulting or speaking and traveling overseas. And that made me think about what do I need on my phone just in general if I'm at a border? Um, yeah, because I'll have some more traveling these days coming up. So I'm thinking about that. All right, can I try to listen to a podcast? What? Is that possible? Because... And I guess it's my own fault to listen to several uh, politics or policy podcasts. It just got like a little roaming and depressing, and I need a break. So it occurred to me that all this listening I'm doing, I could listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Are you an audiobook nerd? I am, yeah. I've listened to some great audiobooks, actually. So I went to my public library and got a library card. Oh. And started down, and they have a lot of a pretty good, good audiobook selection. And so I listened to audiobooks. I and went the other direction and got just a real book. So, or as you refer to an analog book, or an analog book, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of free time to just like sit down and read. Between so, like if I'm in my office and I'm like working on emails for thirty minutes, I I could have an audiobook on, or if I'm gonna go take a walk around campus, exercise, I can listen to audiobook or my car. Uh, I can just get through an audiobook easier and a lot faster than an actual book. I can read really fast. So this book of 550 pages, so Judd Apatow's Sick in the Head. It's interviews, mind you, but um, I think I read this all on flights, mainly. I've got like 50 more pages, but I can read them on a three-hour flight. So. so I've gone through 50 for five books. What'd you listen to? Yeah. <clears throat> so I listened to uh, Think Like a Freak from the Freakonomics Group. Oh, yeah. Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two books that I had a failed attempt to listen to. I'll go back to that. Uh, I listened to Mindset from Carol Dweck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crazy Love from Francis Chan. Um, and Big, Hot, Cheap, and Right, Texas from Erica Greater, who's a, or Greeter, I believe, who's a Texas Monthly editor um with that there are two books that i read I, i've been wanting to read uh for a while oh yeah and uh between the world and me and he's such an eloquent writer like you just can't you can't take it all like i just feel like i need to read it to take it in yeah and listening to it was like you can't casually listen to it right so if i'm like off a walker trying to email i what he was saying it was so good and deep. I couldn't just like let it let it pass by. Um, and so, like, 
that was like a fell attempt for me. And then Dallas Willard, who's a <clears throat> theologian and um, I think philosophy faculty was the philosophy faculty at USC, passed away recently. Um, he's kind of a um, like he's a Christian writer that like theologians read, right? So he's not necessarily like the general population, but he's he's a pretty good Christian thinker. Um, and I was going to read one of his his books. And same thing, right? He's a he's a philosophy professor. I couldn't just like casually listen to it mm-hmm. as I'm driving to work and back. So um, had I tried both of those fellow attempts, didn't work. But I'll go back and read them later. What do you listen to on for the library for your audiobooks? So our library is connected to Overdrive. Okay. So I go through the I I go through the Centennial Library and connect my account with the Overdrive account, and then I'm able to look up books on the Overdrive account. Okay. Yeah, I signed up for an Audible account back in the day when we were listening to podcasts, and you always got like free books. So. Um, I think some of my favorite ones have been, and I tend to get a lot more comedians, but um, Tina Fey's. Audible's kind of expensive, right? Uh, well, I got some free credits. It's not yeah. too bad. It, it's now under Amazon. So if you have a book you buy, you can also get the audiobook. So I have a few of those, but like you're right. I can't read um, like some serious text um, listen to it. I should say I should be reading it, but I got things like Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, and I don't know if you know Chuck Klosterman. I, I have him on my list to read. You should. Um, I wear the black hat. It was the last one I listened to, but I own a few of his books. They're pretty I, good. I reads. think I have three Chuck Klosterman books on my um, like wish list to get to. I always think of David Sedaris is always good because they're short um, stories. So. I heard Chuck Klosterman on um, the Bill Simmons podcast. He comes on there every now and then. Okay. He's by far one of the best guests he has because he's such just an interesting thinker. He doesn't think like everyone else, right? Or he right. he has a he has a different perspective as everyone else. So I've always enjoyed listening to him uh, interviewed or be a part of of, of those shows. So I'll come in and keep awesome. all of his books. Um, I should do what you're doing and use my library more because I went on a bender buying spree of Amazon books. But when I read the book, I actually also give it away. I give some books away too. When I, I don't keep them all. Um, I get, I do end up like leaving them when I travel and I just give them to whoever I'm traveling or visiting. So, although this one Fierker wanted me to bring back, so sick in the head came back with me, but, um, so, so I, I feel stupid about going to the library and it's like, this is great, and this is all free. I should tell my friends about this, as if I've <laughs> I've completely forgotten the fact that there are public libraries, and like the ser- the service that they have. And I really forgot about it until I had kids because, right. like, they love going to the library. They like reading, and like, if you're gonna buy all the books that you want the, your kids to read, it's so much money. Right. And libraries have special kids thing, like reading times and story times and those kinds of things that are really good. So. So it's so like going back to the library with kids, and I'm like, oh, there's stuff for me too. And I, you kind of feel like, right. like an idiot thinking about that, completely forgetting about the public libraries. Well, I'm biased because I work in a college information. We house a library program, but so I heart libraries. But I always have, like you're right, um, going to a library where books are, or maybe different kind of resources or even movies or media or audiobooks, I think is really impressionable for 
children and for like just promoting the culture of literacy and reading or finding out more knowledge. Because I remember going as a kid, my dad would get a stack of eight, six to eight books and he would read and like we would go to programs and get our stack of books. And I always thought that is, yeah, we should be always, always be reading and learning and getting knowledge. And I think I had a different exposure than my brother. So when you're the first in your household, you get, um, everyone loves you. Right. But it's not like they don't love the last child. It's just, they get not that they give up. It's just different. So you're a little over it. Yeah, I guess you're over it if you have kids and that happens. So don't worry, Jack. You're gonna be the only fur babe. Um, I would say that my exposure to the library was far greater than my siblings, and so I think um, my sister and I read more. My brother, he was slower to read, and if you're not exposed to reading a lot or being part of that reading culture, then just don't do it. So. Yeah. So the difference between the first kid and other kids is first kid, you immediately don't know what's going on. And so like, so you, you got to do everything like you think you're supposed to do. So it's kind of exhausting. By the time you get your second kid, you, you can't understand what you need to do. Right. So for the first kid, even when we were, de- when we were delivering, when my wife was delivering, it was like, how long do we get to stay here in the hospital? Because there's, there, there are nurses and professionals to help you out. We had my daughter. We were like, okay, let's wrap this up. Let's go now. Let's go home now. <laughs> we got it. So you don't want to say you're coasting, but you're more comfortable, let's say. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you figured out what you should and shouldn't be doing to figure out that point. Yeah. It, it's funny that you say that, but I think your promotion of libraries is okay. As we talk about books we want to ride, write, read, or think about, or listen to, I think... Um, Promoting more deep reading is probably what I'm thinking about this summer. And my movement for buying more books um, is because I have, I have a physical object. I don't have to look down at my phone or on a device. I'm, I am teaching summer um, school, so it'll be online. And I do interviews with folks by phone, Skype, and while researching online. But I really am trying to remove myself from a screen. And that was a purpose. So audiobooks would do it, physical books. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Oh, can I share with you a white privilege moment I had at the, our, our public library? <laughs> yes, you may. And I'm glad you're owning that. Go on. So um, I went, I was stopping by the, the library on the way to um, what conference I went to, AERA. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I'm going to stop on the way and, and get my library card. I've, I've gotten a lot recently with my kids, but I haven't actually had my own library card. If I ever needed something, I would get a book on my wife's card or my kid's card. But I thought since I'm going to be doing so many digital books, I should get my own card. So stop. But you still have to do this in paper, in person. Yes. This part. So they open at 9. And I guess I think I knew that, but I I wasn't like thinking about it the morning. I, I dropped my kid off to school. I drove to the library. There's a little parking garage. Parked in the parking garage. And it's probably like 8.15 or 8.20 at this point. And there's a security guard in the doorway. And he says hi to me as I walked in. And I'm going to a conference, right? So I'm, mm-hmm. as we established in the Jeff L podcast, I wear a tie. And so uh, I, I'm wearing a tie. And I may have had a blazer on. I don't remember what, how I dressed at the conference that day. And I walked in and the security guard says hi to me. And I just I, I walk in. And I realize the circulation desk isn't open. It didn't actually occur to me that the entire library should be closed at this point because it's not open yet. Because there are people milling around. 
And I asked someone when the, when it opens, and they said nine o'clock. And so I take the application for a library card. I thought I'm just going to go walk around. So I, it's a I don't know multi-level library. And I go up a couple levels, and I see the big open tables. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. So I sat down, opened up my bag, got my computer. I checked email for about 15 or 20 minutes. Realized it's almost nine o'clock. Go back downstairs. I'm waiting in line for them to open behind the desk. And then at nine o'clock, they let everyone else in. And it didn't occur to me like there, I should not have I should not be in this building right now because everyone else they made wait outside until nine o'clock. Wow. And so so it was totally like they just let me pass because it, I'm the white guy wearing a tie um, in the morning in the, li- in the library and they just like let me pass on through. That might be a point of white privilege, but also class privilege if you're dressed in a Absolutely. shirt and tie. Yeah, because people who go to the library like right when it opens are not. There are people who, as I say, have free time to go to the library when it first opens, right? Probably not a white collar job. No. No, probably not employed, right? So maybe they're using the library resources to like look for jobs, or they um, do shift work, or they do something else. Like they're not on the yeah. clock. Yeah, but there were there were some. I mean, this was down the downtown library, right? So mm-hmm. there were some homeless people that came in um, at, at nine o'clock. But it was like I was the only one wearing a tie that was there when when it opened up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was. Um, I, I both like I had this moment of guilt, like, 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 wow, I was just like walking around owning the place, but I, w- I didn't mean to, like, I didn't mean to be a jerk and to to do that, but. Well, way to own that then. No, I th- I think you're right though. It, I think it, the library is a space, um, a big community space, so different folks will be using it for different reasons. Like there's free Wi-Fi, obviously, but there's also um, access to other resources, devices. Um, there's lots Computers. more that the library can do. Computers, yeah, absolutely. The big newspaper on the big sticks. Oh, yeah, they still have those. That's cute. No, they, they don't have those anymore. I wish they did, though. They do in some libraries. I don't know why, but analog newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> I only say that now because you think it's hilarious, so... <laughs> So recently, I know some people who um, who write for the newspaper here in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So I felt I should should subscribe to it, just like to support people I know who write there. Mm-hmm. They're really expensive. Yeah, they are. Which it makes sense, right? Like they're they're actually printed on paper. Someone's delivering it to your front door. It like really should be expensive. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it's more expensive than I was imagining. Do you get it every day, or is it a once a week thing? I haven't actually done it yet. Oh. I'm probably, I'm probably, we're probably gonna do the digital one. I see. I don't want every day. I know Monday through Friday, I'm not gonna read the newspaper. The only yeah. time I'm gonna, the only time I'm going to take time to read it, it's gonna be the weekend. I'm pretty sure we had the Wall Street Journal only on Sundays, um, in the Post, and yeah, there'd be times, certain times of the year, we'd get one newspaper. But yeah, like I would like a Saturday and Sunday, but that's. That's it. That that wasn't a, that was not an option. I think you can get like a Sunday or just a Saturday. I think um, maybe. Well, you're thinking about it though. That's good. Thinking about where you're getting your knowledge from. Good. Cool. I think this is good for our talk about books and reading. That's essentially what we talked about. <laughs> um. By the way, the newspaper is not as expensive as I remembered it. <laughs> Go on. So digital is unlimited access, 99 cents a week. Mm, break the bank. Friday through Sunday, 
a dollar twenty five per week. That Every could day be is, breaking the bank for you though. You do have some other mouths to feed. Yeah. Every day is three dollars per week. No, wait, Wednesday Wednesday through Sunday. Hmm. So there's not even a thing where I get Monday and Tuesday. They don't produce probably Monday and Tuesdays. It's, it's Friday Friday through Sunday or Wednesday through Sunday. That's the full week, Wednesday through Sunday. That's where papers have gone. Two days. We are not doing anything. It's just like the it's just like the um, breweries. <laughs> oh my gosh. We never learn from these issues. Monday. When do we want to go to breweries in Toronto? Monday. When do they close? Monday. I think we learn, but we never do. Maybe the breweries and the uh, paper, the newspapers are getting together and they're brewing and catching up. I don't know. Maybe that's like what they have is everyone who's in journalism now has a side hustle and some of them brew. <laughs> no. <laughs> Books at breweries. That'd be good too. Mm. Oh, do you have any of those library books? Um, they're like little houses in neighborhoods that are take one, leave one. I've seen them. I can't, I don't know where one is though. I first saw them. They started out in Vancouver and there was one that was in my friend's neighborhood. And I thought it was cool. They had like some children's books, some adults, trash books, some other books in there. And I was like, that's a kind of a neat idea. But I've seen those pop up more like a community <clears throat> library. I think I've seen it in the Minky Park area. So we do have, San Antonio is pretty, um, we're pretty lucky with the amount of libraries we have. Mm -hmm. And they're always full. There's always people on them. I have a Texas library card. I got one when I was in grad school, so I can access any library. A Texas library card? Yeah, you can get a Texas one. Did you not know this? I can borrow your digital books now. I can get more, yeah. That, that opens up your audio options. Yeah. I'm going to stop this recording. Yeah.